teaching ministry of Pastor Jay Everly. Get ready to be empowered through the understanding of God's Word. References. Go to Luke 8 and then also 2 Timothy chapter number 1. Uh, this nation, you know, is uh, basically what the world calls a free nation. To them, that means democracy, that means freedom to vote and so forth and so on, and all those things are good and of God, and, you know, we thank God for all of them. But, you know, you can live in a nation, nation like this and be bound by other things, be bound by spiritual things. So we're talking a little bit about that, and I want to look into some more things we've been sharing uh, on the subject of living free from fear. Uh, back when I was, I can't remember exactly, I think it was when we were in Colorado, but then on the way home, just a slight nudge, go this way and start talking about this a little bit. So we've been doing that and we're just exploring different, different facets of it. I don't know if it's going to be a series or not. We're just kind of looking at different things as the Lord leads us. But, um, have you enjoyed the last two services about it? Wednesday night we shared about it again. If you weren't here, you can get the CD or get online, get it, get that. But um, now over here in the book of 2 Timothy, first of all, we'll start there. It tells us, uh, Paul's talking to a young minister named Timothy in chapter number 1. We look at verse number 5. It says, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee. How many of you know we do have the measure of faith? So he said, it is in thee which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance because of your faith. Wherefore means because you have faith. I put you in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. Stir up the gift of God. Now, Paul laid his hands on Timothy for ministry, for impartations and endowments to, to stand in different places of ministry, and that could be what he's talking about, or he could just be talking about the Holy Ghost himself. The Holy Ghost is called the gift. Now, um, Paul said, stir him up. Stir up the gift of God that's in you, that, uh, which is given thee by the putting on of my hands, for, connecting what he just said to this, God has not given us the spirit of fear. The spirit of fear is not from God. How many of you know Satan is the one who sends fear? You ever see angels in the Bible, they show up, or Jesus would show up. First thing, angels or God or, or Jesus would say, fear not, fear not. See, God's not given us a spirit of fear. It's not from God, it's from the enemy. God has not given us a spirit of fear, or the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. See, the devil throws one thing at us, and God gives us three things to combat it. <laughs> Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. But we see here that uh, Paul said to Timothy, don't be afraid to stir up the gift of God, to stir up the things of God. In other words, to fan the flame, the Amplified says. You know what a, a fanatic is? Somebody that's more full of the Holy Ghost than you are. <laughs> oh, you don't have to be fanatical like that. No, you don't have to. You get to. You know, the people that are fanatical, they're the ones that really get things done for God. Yeah, Romans says over in the 12th chapter, you might have read this verse. I don't know. You don't have to turn there because we're going a different direction. But it says over in the 12th uh, verse, be fervent. I'm sorry, the 12th chapter. I think it's the, uh, I don't know, the ninth verse or somewhere down and through there. Be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Fervent in spirit. One translation says, be aglow with the spirit. 
red hot, one translation said. In other words, the flame of the baptism of the Holy Ghost, like it came on Acts 2, 4, they're all filled with the Holy Ghost. There appeared flame, cloven tongues like as a fire. That flame ought to be kept stirred up. I got filled with the Holy Ghost back when I was in, uh, I, I, I see here, I was a sophomore in high school. I got baptized in the Holy Ghost, and they, I changed overnight. I mean, for, at one time I was trying to get out of the house to re- rebel and go to parties and, you know, sin. <laughs> and next, next time I'm go, trying to get out of the house because I want to go downtown, Hagerstown, Maryland, with my friend Walker Shirts because we want to go preach to the pimps and prostitutes. Amen. Share Jesus. Get people saved. Amen. What happened to him? I'll tell you what happened. I got on fire. <laughs> I got on fire for God. And they said, well, it'll wear off. Well, that's been since a sophomore in high school. That would have been 1983. How many years is that? 93, 2003, plus 8. 28 years. Hadn't worn off yet. In fact, I'm worse than I was. I'm a hopeless case as far as re- backing out of the fire. I'm just, I'm just on fire. I'm going to stay on fire. Don't sit around and wait for me to cool off because I ain't cooling off. In fact, I'm just lighting fires everywhere I go. And the more people I get around, the more they catch fire. We had an instructor in Bible school. His name was, uh, <laughs> what was his name? Uh, Doc Horton. Doc Horton was an, uh, is an old Pentecostal preacher that they had come to Bible school to pre- be one of the instructors. Anyway, he used to say, if you catch fire, he said, people will come watch you burn. Yeah, yeah some people just come watch you burn. Anyway, so, but he, Paul's telling Timothy, don't back out of this stirring of this fire. Fear will try to back you out of, 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 of you know, spiritual things. You know, in the Old Testament, there was a man named Jeremiah. If you look at the 20th chapter, you can just write it down. You don't have to go there. But 20th chapter, they were threatening him not to say what he was saying and prophesy what he was prophesying because it wasn't, you know, thus saith the Lord bless you. You're going you're gonna to have a good week. You know, it wasn't that. It was you're being going into captivity to the, Babylon, the Babylonians, you know. They didn't want to hear it. You know, some people, they just want to live the way they want to live, and then they want the preacher to say, oh, you're, you're wonderful. You're, you're, what? you're fine. But that's not what Jeremiah's message was. <laughs> Jeremiah said, no, they're going, this nation's going into Babylonian captivity. Well, they didn't want to hear it. They're persecuting him. And uh, he even talked about the fear that was coming against him there in the 20th chapter. I believe it's, uh, anyway, one of the verses there. Go look at it. <laughs> anyway, so he said, i tell you what I'm going to do. I'm just going to stop prophesying. I'm just going to stop preaching. But then he said, but I can't. He said, it's like fire shut up in my bones. See, the pressure... The persecution was trying to get him to back out. You know, fear wants you to back out of anything God's trying to move you into. In fact, the area you're attacked in fear a lot of times is the area God really wants to use you in. Yeah, that's absolutely the truth. I know whenever I start stepping out and prophesying and and so forth, these thoughts come to my mind. Oh, you're trying to, and they think you're trying to act like Brother Hagin or something. Well, see, that's just the enemy. See, he wants to back me out. Well, I mean, you know, I guess you could say, who else would you rather be acting like? You know, some worldly guy or whatever? No. But anyway, I'm not trying to. It's just that that's the way it comes out. Sometimes, I don't know. But anyway, so uh, Jeremiah said, no, I'm just going to keep on preaching what I've been preaching. See, don't let fear back you out of saying what you should be saying and doing what you should be doing. 
And you know, Satan will bring people along to try to intimidate you. Amen. You know, whenever you yield to the intimidation or the fear that comes from what somebody else is going to think, you're actually being controlled by the enemy who sent them to control you. Fear will make you make wrong decisions in life. It'll make you back out of something God's trying to get you into. Absolutely. It'll make, I watch fear make people or ladies get married to, <laughs> I say this with all the love I can muster, get married to a jerk. I'm thinking, wait a minute, where'd you get him? Uh, found out they got him out of jail. You know, I'm thinking, uh, woo. See, I don't know what that is all the time, but I know sometimes what that is, is a fear of not having a man. Fear of being single your whole life. I, I tell the singles here, don't be a bottom feeder. The leftovers, whatever, everybody, you know, I'm talking about in the ocean, the fish up here, they get, they get the minnows and all, the, you know, the... the uh, but then whatever they don't like, the parts that they don't like, they fall to the bottom. And other things fall to the bottom. And the bottom feeders just clean up all that. Well, don't be a bottom. See, a, a husband, I've said this many times, or a wife, it's not supposed to be a ministry project. It's supposed to be somebody you can walk in agreement with. Amen. Now, there might be someone further along spiritually than the other one. But if the other one that's not as far along spiritually has an equal amount of hunger, it'll work. It'll work. Praise God. So anyway, um, be, be, so don't back out of things just because Satan's trying to get you to back out. When you stir, Pastor Nancy said this, I'm going to say it. When you stir up things that are on the inside of you, you're going to stir up things that are not on the inside of you. There's going to be things coming against you to try to get you to back out of that which you're stirring. Amen. But don't let fear make your decisions for you. Fear will get you to make wrong decisions. Notice what he said here. He said, don't be, a, don't be a person of fear. God's not given us that spirit of fear, but he's given us a spirit of power, love, and notice this, a sound mind. In other words, one of fear's goals is to rob you of sound-mindedness. Or you could say it this way, to rob you of making right decisions. You'll make wrong decisions if you're motivated by fear, controlled by fear. God doesn't lead by fear. God's not talking to you through fear. Amen. So it'll rob you of sound-mindedness. A person... Now, now, sometimes people think, well, I'm having trouble in this area of my life, when actually the real issue is something is making you make wrong decisions. Something is motivating you to make wrong decisions. And, and first, John, remember we looked at this on Wednesday night. In fact, go over there again. I don't know uh, when we'll get to Luke. We'll get there eventually. But go over to 1 John chapter number 3 and look at this again. If you weren't here Wednesday night, we'll, we'll share this and you'll get a hold of this. If you were, you can look at it again. Amen. Amen. Now notice verse number 12. Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, who was of that wicked one and slew his brother, and wherefore slew he him because his own works were evil and his brothers were righteous. He said, we're not to be as Cain. That we should love one another, verse 11 says, and not be as Cain. Notice it says, who was of the wicked one. The Amplified says, he got his motivation from the wicked one. Did you get a hold of that? He got his motivation from the wicked one. 
Well, see, what that's saying is that he was motivated by something. And we could, we could say this about our lives and our, our decision-making processes. What is motivating us to make those decisions? Sometimes we're saying, well, I'm, I, I have such a struggle financially, whenever actually it's something that keeps making us make wrong decisions. A spiritual thing. Something, something is motivating wrong decisions, and those wrong decisions are causing the financial trouble. And if you can identify, now how many of you know the devil will try to tell you what it is that's controlling? But see, don't listen to the devil. He's not going to define properly what, the, what is motivating you, but pray in the Holy Ghost. And say, God, what is it that's motivating? Why do I keep making this wrong decision here? I know of spouses who are afraid to let their spouse make a decision because they've made wrong decisions in the past, and so they're controlling them by fear. They won't let them make a decision. The fear in their spouse is creating them making a wrong decision. This is good preaching already. I mean, we're looking for answers this morning, right? Don't always be talking fear over your, well, you always make wrong decisions. No, you're going to have to get in your prayer closet. You're going to have to deal with that thing. Because it will control you and control your spouse. They'll make wrong decisions next time. Because they're afraid they're going to make the wrong decision and you're going to get mad again. Amen. Now, if a person has a pattern of making wrong decisions, then thank God you have a spouse there to help you in that. But not control through fear, just to, just to help. You know, you ought to be in agreement about things. I said be in agreement about things and, and talk about things. Especially things like, you know, big financial issues or who's going to babysit your children or things like that. Well, one of them just doesn't have a, a clearness about it, then you better watch and pay attention to that. I'm amazed people guard, guard their tool shed and put locks on it, but then won't guard their child. They're over here being babysitted by someone motivated by demons. Wake up. Trouble will be ahead if you don't control that. So, um, there's, there's things that we need to examine. What is it that's motivating me, making my decisions for me? Sometimes you, you don't realize it until the Holy Ghost shows it to you. You have to, be, you have to let the Holy Ghost show you that, and we could take a lot of time on that, but let's keep on moving here this morning. Um, now, we said back here in, uh, let's go back to Luke, 8th chapter of Luke, where we were. You might have dropped your place, but let's go back there. Notice what it says here in uh, the 50th verse, Luke 8, verse number 50. Jesus is ministering healing, and he said this. Remember, this is the account whenever uh, Jairus' daughter was healed. And remember, Jesus was on his way to her house, but then somebody came and gave a report said, Well, don't trouble the master anymore. She's, your daughter is dead. She died in the meantime, in other words. And so uh, then he said this. Let's see here. The woman with the issue of blood is kind of in the middle of this. But then notice what the, the report came. In verse number 49, about his daughter being dead. But then verse 50, Jesus heard it, and he answered him, saying, Fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole. And you know the rest of the story. We could read it. We won't take time. That he did. He, he kept out of that fear, and Jesus continued on his way to his house, and the daughter was raised up. Well, now, 
Jesus doesn't just say those things just for filler. There is a real serious uh, danger here of not being able to minister to this daughter if he got into fear. That's why he addressed it. Remember, over and over in the Bible, Jesus would say to people, your faith made you whole. Well, then if faith makes people whole, then fear must keep them sick. I mean, we could, we've shared a lot of this before, you know, but here's the point. Jesus was telling him, don't make that switch from faith to fear. How do people make that switch? A lot of times it's because of something that was said, like this report came. And whenever that was said, fear slams them. That's the way it comes sometimes. It just slams your mind, slams your emotions. You can even feel it physically sometimes whenever certain reports come. And uh, so Jesus said, fear not, believe only. In other words, you're walking by faith, but if you open the door to this fear that's hitting you right now, it's going to stop the miracle in its tracks. And Jesus is telling him, the, the, the fear... He said, notice, fear not, believe only, only. In other words, it's not a little bit of faith, a little bit of fear. It's, it's not a, a blending of these things. It is just one thing, fear only. Fear only. In other words, the, our fear is to not, um, excuse me, our faith is to not be contaminated by any fear. Now, 1 Peter, without going back there, uh, the, the first chapter and uh, the seventh verse is an interesting verse. 1 Peter 1, 7. You'll remember it. I'll quote it to you. Jesus, actually, the Bible said this. He said that the, your, your, your faith, though it be tried with fire, might be found under praise and honor and glory. Remember that? But then he says that uh, the trying of your faith. Let me go back here. And I'm going to read it just so I can get it right. The trying of your faith... Is more precious than of gold that perisheth. Remember that? The trying of the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise, honor, and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. The trying of your faith. Now notice he's he's likening faith to gold. Or uh, gold is an illustration. Now, gold, I don't know if they knew anything, probably knew nothing about electricity back then, you know. <laughs> but uh Electricity has to have a conductor for it to be able to, like, for example, light our lights and so forth. Well, there, there's wires in the, in the walls here that conducts that electricity, and you can't conduct electricity on certain substances like carpet or, or plywood or something like that. It has to be certain things that conduct. Well, gold is a, they say, I don't, Tim Shinneman might be here somewhere. Uh, he, he's over here. Anyway, somebody point. Anyway, so gold is supposed to be one of the best conductors of electricity. Is that right? It is the best one. Well, I think God knew that before they even knew anything about electricity. God put this in the Word of God. And He said that gold conducts electricity. We know that now. And He's saying that faith conducts the power of God. Amen. Well, then what He's saying here when He says, Fear not, believe only. He's saying, Don't let any alloys get in your faith. Don't let any stuff get in your faith. Because the purer the gold, the better it conducts electricity. If you get, a, you get gold that's still mixed in with all the rocks, you know, where they go and they mine it out of the dirt, 
you have a certain percentage of rocks and certain percentage of all these different things. Well, it's not going to conduct electricity near like it will once you get it refined down, get all that out of there and get all the dross off of it. The better, the purer it is, the better it's going to conduct electricity. Same thing with faith. You need to get all the dross of worry, fear, the cares of this life, and all of that out of your faith if you're going to conduct enough power of God to get the miracle that you're needing. Amen. And sometimes that's the issue why things are taking so long. Because we believe for a while and then we get into worry for a week. You know what I'm talking about. And it's not pure enough to conduct the power of God strong enough to get a miracle or it doesn't continue the, to conduct it long enough for it to, the power to do its complete work. Now, there, you're here in the... Well, you're back in Luke 8. You're, I was looking at the 50th verse. Go back to Luke 8 and look back there in the 14th verse. <clears throat> this is using a different illustration, but it's the same principle. Remember the parable of the sower. Jesus gave four kinds of ground. One kind of ground was the thorny ground. Remember that? Verse 14 talks about it. They which fell among thorns, Luke 8, 14, are they which when they have heard go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. No fruit to perfection. What does that mean? That means to, to complete maturity, to harvest, to full potential. So what he's saying here is, because there were other things in this soil. Now, this is a different illustration, but it's the same principle. So there's other things in this soil, take, uh, eating up the nutrition in the soil, plus, uh, uh, you know, keeping the sunlight from getting to the seeds. Cares of this life, deceitfulness of riches. He's saying those things, they choke the Word. They choke what the Word is trying to do. It's trying to grow a harvest for you. God's trying to get a harvest. You're His garden. And so what He's saying is the same thing, just using a different illustration, just like a bunch of alloys in gold will keep the power of God from flowing through it. A bunch of, uh, notice here He says, thorns, which is in this case, cares of this life, deceitfulness of riches, and pleasures of this life. In other words, some people just have the desire for too many other things. So there needs to be one thing first. A lot of people are distracted by other things. I'm, I'm, I'm examining myself in my life right now. Just, just I got, I got this yesterday, I decided I'm going to just give some extra time here. And I noticed, as I gave some extra time, I noticed I got clear in my spirit some things I was getting distracted by, you know. We all have to constantly watch that. So uh, here he's talking about really uh, something choking out the growth of the seed. In the book of First Peter, he's talking about something keeping the power of God from being conducted correctly. So we're not seeing the harvest that we should be seeing. Anybody get anything out of that? You see what I'm talking about? So what he's saying is fear opens the door for the enemy. Fear will be, really choke out our faith. Fear will contaminate our faith, pollute our faith, and keep the power from being conducted to the degree that really we need for the miracle, or, or, or sometimes it takes way too long because, you know, a little fear, a little faith, it's just contaminated. It's not faith only. It's not believing only. It's believing and then fear and then mixed in with other things. Now, I'm not talking about fear, uh, uh, operating in faith while attacks are coming against your mind. See, it's not getting into your faith just because a, a fear thought comes to your mind. 
Bible talks about these other things entering in choke the word. See, it has to enter into your heart. You, you're going to have to learn to walk by faith in the midst of all sorts of attacks against your mind. Success is not the absence of fear. I mean, a successful walk of faith doesn't mean the absence of fear. It just simply means that you uh, uh, continue to act on the Word in the presence of all your enemies. Casting the fear down and saying, no, I'm not responding to you. I'm not going to be controlled by you. Amen. First of all, we need to recognize that we are being controlled by it, if we are. Praise God. So the Holy Ghost will help us in those things. So it's an open door to the enemy. We open the door through giving in to fear, to worry, and all of those kinds of things. You have to get out of worry and fear in order for the power of God to be conducted completely. Amen. Amen. I was in healing school ministering um, back in the, I guess this particular case happened in the late, well, no, wait a minute, early 90s. Uh, i never forget it. There was, we, we had the whole week we were teaching on healing all, every morning service. Um, and i never forget, we always, not always, but on, in certain situations, we would just check our hearts about the ones that were coming that particular week because they were coming from all over the United States. A lot of them would stay for a week. Some of them would stay longer. But we wanted to make sure and get the maximum potential out of that week. In other words, we wanted to make sure that they get the most out of the Word. And we were always try, asking God how to help them better. How, how can we better minister to these? And I noticed there was a lady there this particular week. Um, I didn't know all of what I'm going to tell you now. I didn't know it at the beginning, but she was a nurse. I knew she was, had come to be healed of cancer. I knew that part, but I didn't know she was a nurse. And I didn't know uh, what it was because on Monday and Tuesday, uh, while I was teaching and ministering the Word, the Word would, and you can tell this sometimes, the Word would go out and it would, you know, a lot of people would receive it, but with her it would just bounce off. I don't mean I could see it with my natural eyes, but you could just tell it wasn't going in. So I said to the Lord, Lord, I need to talk to her because I don't know how long she's going to be here. And if if it's going to bounce off all week, she may as well not even have come. We're here to get results. You understand? I mean, the Word works. (laughs) So I said to the Lord after the the Wednesday morning service, that happened Monday and Tuesday, and of course the Wednesday, but then after the Wednesday service, I said, I'm going to talk to her if I can catch her before she leaves. So I caught her before she left, and I said, do you have a few minutes? I'd like to just sit down and talk to you, what you're coming for, and so forth and so on. Somebody said, well, why would you ask her to talk? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth leaks. Amen. I'm so, I'm, I'm, Brother Hagin used to call the ones that worked in healing school divine healing technicians. That means you learn to diagnose and prescribe. I don't mean diagnose, uh-huh, you got cancer. I'm not talking about it. I'm talking about diagnose where the door was opened. Or diagnose what they need in order to receive their healing. And so I asked her, you know, where she's from and so forth. Just got her talking. And she started talking and, and then she got off on all the, 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 she told me she was a nurse. Then I found out that part. And then she started telling me all about the, uh, the, the progressions because she's worked with cancer patients for all these years in, as a nurse. All the progressions of cancer, how it'll go, what the next stage of it'll be. And she's going through all that. And they're just fear, fear, fear coming out. What is fear? Fear is the confident expectation of something bad. The confident expectation of something bad. Amen. I'm just afraid my husband's going to leave me, or I'm just afraid we're going to go bankrupt, or I'm afraid. See, that's an expectation of something to come, but it's not good. It's bad. And so she had the confident expectation of all this, of the cancer to progress through all these stages, and then she would be an invalid at this stage. And see, you got to, you got to, 
the devil will give you visions of your future. And that's not God. You ever heard Brother Hagin's testimony? He would, they, you know, he was given up to die before he got healed, you know, as a 16-year-old on his, on, as a, you know, as, on, he was on his deathbed, you know. He did die once, came back. But remember, he talked about the, the, the visions he would have, not of God, where he would see them singing his, I mean, singing songs at his funeral, and they would see him burying him, or them burying him. <coughs> Excuse me. And they would see, uh, he would see the ground going over his body in the ground. And then the leaves and the different seasons and all. He, he, the devil was showing him visions of things to come. Well, well, that might be God warning me. Well, if it's fear, it's not God. If it's fear, it's not God. The devil will get, fear will give you visions. And he'll tell you and fear will tell you what's coming. But that doesn't mean it's true. Why is he telling you? Why hasn't he already done it? If it's a fear of dying, why don't you ask him, why haven't you already done it? You're so big and bad, why haven't you already done it? I'll tell you exactly why he hasn't already done it. Because he can't. If he could, he would have. But he can't, so he's trying to get you into fear, so he can't. Because if he gets you into fear, he can do it. Job said, the thing I greatly feared came upon me. We'll have, to, we'll have to do a study of the book of Job sometime. There are just so many deceptions. People think wrong things. You read it, and you're like, well, that's what I heard in church wasn't what it said. You know, so. But anyway, so uh, she had all these expectations of things to come. Well, it's going to progress to this and then this. And I said, and I, I identified. This is a diagnosis. I diagnosed the problem. Somebody said, yeah, it was cancer. No, it wasn't. It was fear. Fear. Fear was the, the real issue. I'm helping somebody here. <laughs> See, if you cannot yield to the fear, first of all, if you can recognize what it really is that is opening the door. That's a big, just like we learn to recognize the Holy Ghost, we got to learn to recognize the enemy. That's called don't be ignorant of his devices. So I, I identified it and I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to have to help her because that's where the door's open right there. And so I took her over to Hebrews 2. You know, the Bible talks about um, Jesus delivered those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. You ever read that? Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. Fear makes you subject to the very thing you're afraid of. He said, through fear of death. There, Hebrews. You ever, some of you are looking at me like you don't know about it. Go over there and look at it. Go to Hebrews 2. See, we've got to dig around in this for a while. I, the more I preach on this, the more there is to say about it. It wouldn't hurt us to go a month on this. We'd start realizing, oh, I identified an area of fear. I'm, I'm, I've been walking in didn't even realize I was walking in it. Amen. Hebrews 2, you find it there? Verse 14. How does it start out? For as much as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he himself also likewise took part of the same. That through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. Well, I thought he's still around. Doesn't sound like he's destroyed to me. The word destroy means untie. See, Jesus untied and loosed you from him that had the power of death. He no longer has it. Remember Jesus said, I have the keys of death and hell. <laughs> keys mean authority. See, he destroy or untied us from him who had the power of death. That is the devil. Now notice, and delivered them, notice, who through fear of death, were all their lifetime subject to bondage. What's that tell you? The fear of a thing makes you subject to it. 
it, it in a morbid way, it ties you to the very thing you're trying to get loose from. It's bondage. It's, I mean, the more afraid you are, the more you're tied to it. They say, even in the medical field, that they've discovered that fear opens up your pores and attracts in disease viruses. <clears throat> Amen. I was riding one time when I was a kid. I was, I don't know, probably 14, 15 years old, something like that. Me and a friend of mine from church, we went out. My, my, my parents and his parents got together for lunch after, I think it was a Sunday afternoon, they got together for lunch. And then after lunch, we got on our bikes and we took off on a ride. My, my, my friend from church and I took off on a ride. And we drove past this farm, came around this corner, drove, drove right around the barn. The road went right around the barn, public road, but it went right close to the barn. And as we came around it, here came a German shepherd, <laughs> right around the, you know. And my friend was up front. He was on the bike in front and I was behind. The German shepherd came for him, but went right past him, didn't bite him or grab his leg or anything, and came and grabbed my leg and, and tore my jeans. And I got a little bit of blood, but not much. I was mad because he, he passed my friend up, you know. That's not fair. <laughs> and uh, later I asked him, were you afraid? And he said, no. I said, man, when I said I saw that dog, I went, oh. how many of you ever felt that bitter taste in your mouth when you... When you, fear hits you. That's because your pores open. Actually, they secrete a, a chemical of some kind and it opens up your pores to open for disease. Well, that dog actually smelled no fear on him but smelled the fear in me. And they say dogs can smell fear. You know. <laughs> Not you, the dog. You know, I'm just... Amen. Well, <clears throat> see... Fear makes you subject to the very thing you're afraid of. It puts you in bondage to it. Just like faith connects you to the power of God, fear connects you to the power of the enemy. It's a morbid thing. Once you start looking at this, it's morbid. I had a, I guess you would call it a spiritual vision in healing school one day years ago. And I didn't understand it all at the time. But the vision was that I could see the ones that were there, not, not all of them, but certain ones that were there that week, I could see them holding tightly to their disease. In the spirit, it was as if they were holding on tightly to it. I thought, that is morbid. Why, why? I thought they came here for healing. You know, but here they are. I could see in the spirit, some of them were holding tightly to it. I didn't understand it at the time very well, to be honest with you. But the more I grew spiritually, the more I realized, for example, Jesus said, take no thought saying, what are we going to eat? I realized that what they were doing was they were holding on to it through taking thought for it, thinking about it all the time. It's always on their mind. You know how something gets, you get a hold of something is you meditate on it. You want to get a hold of increase, you got to meditate on increase to where it gets on the inside. It has to go through the doors to get into your heart and the mind's the door. And so they're thinking about it all the time. And then the more I grew, the more I realized fear will do the same thing. It'll hold on to something that you think, you, you say you're trying to get rid of. But yet the fear is holding, <clears throat> holding it around you. Amen. We could take a lot of time on that. We're trying to get to something else here. So fear puts you in bondage to the very thing you're trying to get free for, you say you want to be free from. So this nurse, that door was open through fear. I noticed then what it was 
how, why she got cancer. You see, no, it's not wrong to work in the medical field, but you're going to have to guard yourself with all that you've learned in the natural. Because that's just natural. There, is, there are spiritual laws that will trump those things. Amen. Doctors now have coined a term called, like for, for example, if somebody has uh, cancer, they, they not only diagnose and, and say what their chances are of recovery based on their experience medically, but they now factor in something else that they call a fighting spirit. They talk about it all the time now in the medical field. And then that is a determination to live it, to, to, excuse me, to live through it and to whip it. They'll tell you if somebody doesn't have the want to to live, they're not going to live. Doctors, medical doctors will tell you that. You got to rise up on the inside and say, no, I'm not going to have this. But fear rises up on the inside and grabs a hold of it. So this nurse had really, through listening to all the things she knew about cancer and all the things she learned, she had become afraid of the very thing that she was helping others to be, you know, medically helping them to try to get over. She had become afraid of it. Opened the door to the devil. Wham! The devil used it to get in. Well, I noticed that. I took her to this verse, Hebrews 2, through fear of death. She saw, I just looked, I showed her there that what she had done was, and what she was sitting there tell, talking to me about was just fear. She had opened the door to fear, and fear had allowed it to get in. I have never in my life seen somebody close that door that quick. As soon as she saw it. See, this is a good heart. This is what this is. See, people are good people. They're just maybe deceived into, you know, people that are afraid. They're not, they're not afraid because they want to be. They don't want to go down that road. But, but see, they've been deceived into holding on to it. So that lady, she just, she had a good heart. She heard, she saw the word. She saw, as soon as she saw it. Just as quick as you can get. I mean, just that quick. That lady closed that door. Somebody said, how do you know she closed it? Because her whole demeanor changed. She said, I see it. I see it. I see what I did. And she closed that door. And I said, let's just agree now in the name of Jesus. Fear. Now notice. Notice I didn't even address the cancer. I said to her, now you repeat this after me. Fear, you get out of my life. And she said, fear, you get out of my life. We never addressed the cancer at all. But the cancer, she had a lot of pain in her back. It was a... a, uh, I don't, it wasn't on her, was it on her back? I think it was on her backbone or somewhere back there. I don't remember, somewhere back close to her backbone causing pain or something. But anyway, that pain, just like that, just, just as quick as you snap your finger, disappeared, just like that. The cancer, they, she went back to her doctor, and the doctor said they couldn't find the cancer. She was from New England. She went back up to New England after that week, and the doctors couldn't find the cancer. Close that door, bam, just that quick. That's how real these things are to me. You see, don't play with these things. The devil's not playing. He's serious. He's serious. I mean, you're, you're thinking, well, you know, a little fear won't hurt. But he's saying, hey, this is an open door. And I'm, I, if I can, I'll invade their whole life with it. I'll invade their whole mind. And You see, fear and worry will break down the mind, which will eventually break down the body. I've seen it over and over again. People who are afraid and full of worry, it starts breaking down their bodies. Remember what Jesus said to the woman with the issue of blood after she was healed. It says in the Amplified, go into peace and be continually healed. Well, what if the person goes into fear or goes into worry? She had not been in peace. Jesus said, go into it. She had not been in it. She went into it. She kept her healing. 
But if you leave the healing line and go into fear or go into worry, you'll not be continually healed. Amen. So anyway, that lady closed that door. Wham, just like that. That was Wednesday morning. I always went. I wasn't preaching in the afternoon services that week, but I always went just to feed my own faith. I'm a glutton for the Word. <laughs> so I went to the afternoon service, and I'm all excited. I'm looking for her, you know, and she wasn't there. My goodness, that's unusual. God moved in that powerful way in the, in the morning, healed her of that cancer. I thought, that's unusual. And then I came back to the Thursday morning service. There she was. I said, after the service, I said, good to see you. Praise God. She said, yep, doing good. I said, well, um, I just want to make sure, you know, because you weren't here yesterday. Oh, she said, uh, she said, I was getting ready to go to healing school, come to healing school thir- uh, uh, Wednesday afternoon. And she said, I realized, wait a minute, I'm just going out of fear. How many of you know she was coming like, I got to get healed or else, got to get healed or else. And she said, in her case, she couldn't get past that's her motive for going. So she said, I know what I'm going to do. And she had told me that morning, Wednesday morning, she said one of the fears she had was, and she was spent, she brought her daughters with them, two or three, I think it was two beautiful girls, just beautiful little girls. And uh, she had the fear of uh, those girls not having, being raised with a mama, you know. And uh, so she was keeping them real close. She wouldn't even let them out of her sight because we wanted to talk to her just in a room by herself. She said, no, I've got to have my girls in here. I've got to have all my time with them, you know. She was all fear. Right. Right. And so she said, uh, uh, she said, I just decided uh, rather than come out of fear, I just go, I'm going shopping. <laughs> Why am I going shopping? Because I'm healed. Now, gee, people hear that and they say, Ooh, I see it now. I'm not supposed to come to church anymore. That's not what, she, that's not what I'm talking about. See, you can, come, you can come out of fear and get nothing. That's what she's talking about. See, what's motivating you to come to church? Is it faith or is it fair? I've got to get healed or else. The doctor said or else. See, that's nothing more than fear. Are we getting it this morning? What is motivating you? People, uh, they hear their... their uh, and then she came back to healing school, and she was, she was uh, there the rest of the week. Praise God. Anyway, but see, here's the thing. People hear their, their uncle or a relative gets diagnosed with cancer, and the thought comes to them, oh, you, 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 you're going to get cancer too, and, and start rebuking cancer. And actually, what, what, what you should have identified and recognized was it wasn't disease that made you say that. It was actually fear that made you say that. So really, you should have addressed the fear, not the disease. Somebody sneezes and you rebuke, you know, the flu. I just am not going to get the flu in Jesus' name. I'm not, not going to get it. I refuse to have the flu. No flu in me. You know, no bugs on me. No bugs on me. It's Pastor Debbie and I's favorite commercial. Ain't no bugs on me. Ain't no. <laughs> we like that. We say there ain't no bugs on me. Might be bugs on some of you other mugs, but there ain't no bugs on me. <laughs> we getting anything out of the Word this morning? So no, you don't, you don't rebuke something just because fear came. You rebuke the fear. Amen. Don't say, oh, I hope I don't get that. My wife and I were visiting relatives one Christmas. I think it was Christmas. It was cold. That's why I think it was Christmas. Usually go... Christmas time or Thanksgiving. And uh, so anyway, they said, oh, my brother, he, he, he took over the farm. 
my dad uh, owned the farm when I was a kid, but then my brother bought it out. He lives on the farm. And uh, so we, we were at my parents' house. They built a house down the road, and we were visiting. But my brother, I said to my brother, I don't want to come down and see you. Oh, no, he said, don't come down here. He said, we all have the flu. I said, well, I don't care. I want to come see you. Come all this way. I want to come see you. See, I wasn't trying to preach anything to him. I'm just, you know, I'm just stating my faith in a way that doesn't sound preachy, you know. Oh, I said, I come all this way. I'm going to come. No, he said, my daughters are upstairs. They're in bed, and we're all snorting and, you know, and all that stuff. <laughs> hey, we're just good country folk, you know. So anyway, I said, no, we're going to come down and see you. Well, you know, uh, and they're trying to. And so we come to the door, and they said, no, don't shake our hand. Don't shake our hand. I said, I want to hug your neck. Come here. <laughs> well, we all got the flu. You're going to get the flu. I said, I don't mind telling you I won't get your flu. See, it wasn't mine. It was theirs. They said it, so it was theirs. (laughs) See, the devil wants you to say, well, I better stay away. I might get it. What is that? Fear. Fear. I said, come here. Give me a hug. Oh, my goodness. Well, call the girls down here. I haven't seen them. Well, they're in bed. I said, call them down here. I haven't seen them for two years or whatever. Well, they don't want to get you. I said, I won't get the flu. We kept telling them over and over, we won't get the flu. And we visited for a while, and then, you know, all of them were there. And then we left. We were walking out the door, and they said, oh, I just hope you don't get the flu. I said, I just don't mind telling you we'll never have the flu. We went down the road and just said, thank God we're healed. We didn't rebuke the flu. I'm sure some of those stuff, that stuff got on us, but it died as soon as we got... And I just said, thank God we're healed. Oh, I can't, I don't know. That doesn't work for me. I know it don't work for you. Because you just said it don't work for you. I tried that and it doesn't work. Well, it doesn't work by trying for me either. Somebody said, did you get the flu? Absolutely not. She's my witness. You know, you might not trust me, but take her word for it. We never got their flu. You ever notice the flu doesn't come from heaven? It's always the swine flu, the Asian flu, somewhere. It comes from somewhere else, but it never comes from heaven. Never, you never hear all the heavenly flus going around. So if it's not from heaven, I'm not claiming it. <laughs> How'd I get on that? So don't start rebuking the disease. Recognize the fear. Actually, if you would have seen what the devil was doing, how he got in, you would have rebuked the fear and not the sickness and closed the door that he was opening through fear. It was fear that suggested to you that you'd get sick. Satan is a master at making suggestions and getting you to respond to it. And so it was fear that made the suggestion you'd get sick. But when you believe what fear says to you, you'll start rebuking sickness. Fear wins. Amen. You believe what fear suggested, and you open the door to the devil to put sickness on you. And you didn't even recognize that it was, that it was you that opened the door. Satan wants to, go un- he wants to go unrecognized so he can operate un- unopposed. Amen. People take vitamins for those kinds of reasons. Now, you can take vitamins, but just do it because you just believe it's wisdom or something like that. That's different than doing, oh, oh I can't, I got to take this. You know, like, for example, we'll go on trips because we, we take some things just to get, you know, help. Food nowadays doesn't have the kind of nutrition in it it should. 
so we take some things. But, um, but you know, if I go on a trip and I run out or something, I don't start getting nervous. I'm just, I'm fine. Sometimes I just go a whole week and don't take it. Just, just save you money anyway. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So never let fear through a suggestion motivate your actions, your words, or even your prayers. Prayer motivated by fear is not the prayer of faith. Actually, prayer words authored by worry is no more prayer or faith. It's just a worry session. People go to God and they call it prayer, but it's just a worry session. But just because it's spoken in a form of prayer doesn't make it faith. Father, I'm coming to you. I'm just so afraid. Well, it doesn't make it prayer just because you're talking to him about you being afraid. Amen. So you can learn to identify things by what's motivating you. Ask yourself the question, what's motivating me? Amen. Now, sometimes people, let me say this. um, You can get something come up in your heart. Well, you know, I just, uh, I just have a hesitancy about, like I'm using this illustration. I have a hesitancy about, you know, that person babysitting my child. You can get something come up your, in your heart, and, and something's holding you back from it. And then you can say, well, no, but that's just fear. You have to be good enough at identifying if that's the Holy Ghost who's holding you back and drawing you back. That's not out of fear. That's out of love for you. There's a different thing behind that. Then, you know, because sometimes people, the Holy Ghost is trying to tell them not to do something, and they're saying, no, I rebuke fear. They're not identifying it correctly. Now listen to this. Fear has a manipulation element to it. Are you there? Fear has torment, the Bible says. Fear will drive you. It'll push you. Remember, the Bible talks about evil spirits forcing. God never forces. Spirits will drive you and push you until it controls you. Amen? You're tormented. Every area of life eventually gets taken over by it. But if you identify the leading of the Spirit, it might be holding you back, but there's not that pushing or that torment or that controlling element to it. Amen? Hallelujah. The Spirit of God is... Remember, for example, Paul, he was getting ready to go into a certain place and he had no rest in his spirit. That's something in the Spirit, in his spirit, not something tormenting him from the outside. He wasn't afraid to go over there. There was just an unsettledness in his spirit about it. And that's different. You need to pay attention to those kinds of things. My goodness, the heartache that has come into families' lives because they've not guarded their children correctly. Pay attention to the Holy Ghost. Amen. Are you there? Are you going home? Praise God for the Word. Hallelujah. Say, praise God for the Word. Praise God. Praise God. Say, praise God. Now, if you're backing out of spiritual things because of fear, fear of persecution, fear that every time you move forward into that, you get smacked, torment, something comes against your mind. If you're backing out of spiritual things because of fear, it'll be doubly hard for you to eventually get into that. When you back out of something, it becomes more difficult then to get back into it. 
You need to be a person who starts facing these things and backs fear down. Rather than it control you, you control it. Praise God. Let's go over to, we'll finish this up this morning by going to 1 Samuel chapter number 17 about David facing Goliath. One of my favorite scriptures. I could, I could preach on this, spin, <clears throat> flail my arms and spit cotton and preach out loud on this one. <laughs> All of Israel's armies, according to the 17th chapter, because this man Goliath was coming out for 40 days in a row and, and threatening saying, you send a man over to fight me, and if I win, then you're our servants, and if you win, then we're your servants. In other words, Goliath wanted one man to come fight him. And he was doing this, he was threatening for 40 days like that. Look at verse number 11 here in the 17th chapter of 1 Samuel. When Saul and all Israel heard those words of the, the Philistine, that's Goliath, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Look at that. Well, David, and it says there in verse 16 that he did this for 40 days. And so the Israelites are over there shaking in their boots for 40. They were listening to the threats of the enemy for 40 days. Goliath is making them afraid. Well, then we come over to uh, verse number. David eventually gets down there. Of course, he brought some things for his brothers from his dad. But he comes and hears the whole deal and finds out what's going on. And he says in verse number 26, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? In other words, there's something about him that wasn't ready to accept that. He wasn't going to get into fear like everybody else. Well, his brothers said, Now you're just down here causing trouble in verse 28. You know. <laughs> He's talking faith, talking big, you know. And his brothers are like, what are you out here for? You're just causing trouble. Go back home. <clears throat> See, that's that, that's that offense. <clears throat> that's that intimidation trying to back him down. That accusing voice. Who do you think you are? You ever start breaking out of what your family's been in for generations? And they start trying, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Don't you know you're an Eberly? You can't do that. And you say, yes, I am. You go watch me. While they're in a fear of it, you're going for it. So that's what's going on here, one of these family rivalries. Amen. Now notice down verse number 32. <clears throat> David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Notice, let no man's heart fail. That reminds me of that verse in Luke. You remember Luke 21, 26? In the last days, men's hearts will fail for fear. Fail them for fear. In other words, the... the uh, the Israelites, the army that day, should have, their hearts should have been producing faith. But they're producing fear because they're listening for 40 days to a threat of the enemy. Now David had been out there on the hillside. He'd been planting the word in his heart, in his mind. He's out there watching the sheep. Remember, he talks about him meditating in the Word day and night. He talks about it all over the book of Psalms. And he's out there watching sheep, and he's meditating in the Word. And when the devil came to steal something that belonged to him, that was his inheritance, he got the slingshot out. The lion and the bear. That's my sheep. Don't take my inheritance. Pow! And one he grabbed by the beard, the Bible says. So he's meditating in faith and in the Word, and whenever the opposition comes against him, he's responding out of the Word. These men are meditating in the threats of the enemy, and when opposition came against them, they're trembling in their boots. David's a teenager, and they're men trained in war. 
See, this is not a matter of how big you are and all of that. It's a matter of how big you are on the inside. So he said, let no man's heart fail. Then, uh, you know, and he talks to David, I mean, excuse me, he talks to Saul for a while. And he talks to him about, in verse 35, I went out after him, that this is the lion and the bear, you know, that took the lamb. I went out after him and delivered him out of the mouth, uh, out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by the beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. That's talking pretty big for a teenager. I got turned on to God when I was a teenager. You teenagers, you can talk big and go big. Praise God. Hallelujah. So he said, this guy's going to be just like, he's just an uncircumcised Philistine. What that is, is he's not a covenant man. He's not a covenant man. He's not a covenant man. He's saying, I'm a covenant man. I have a covenant. I've been meditating in the covenant. And the covenant says, no weapon formed against me will prosper. So he's meditating in the right things. And he's built right on the inside. Praise God. So he's defied the armies of the living God. He's going to be like one of those lions and bears. Well, that's talking big. The Lord, verse 37 the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. And remember how he tried to put the armor on. And he said, No. He said, That's not what I've practiced. I've practiced with my sling. So he said, I'm going out with my sling. Now notice verse 44. David said, uh, the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will, I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Woo, he's talking big. He's talking big. Hello? He's talking big. Now, David answered it. Look at verse number 45. David said to the Philistines. See, that's what you've got to do whenever fear talks. You've got to answer it, not let it just control your thought life. So David answered the Philistine. And thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. Behold, I come unto thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. Glory be to God. I'm talking, uh, (laughs) there's so much going on here, I'm, I'm out of time this morning. But the thing that I wanted you to see was he just didn't sit and think about what this Goliath is talking about. Oh, I, I hate that whenever I start getting bound up by this. Oh, leave me alone. Don't, don't do this to me, devil. Don't do Why don't you rebuke it? Why don't you answer it? Yeah. <clears throat> You're going to have to enter into the spiritual arena and do things there. <clears throat> Not pop pills when you go through that cycle every three weeks. See, a lot of it starts with fear and worry about my money and things like that. I'm preaching better than your amen. So he answered it. Thank God for the word. And then he said, This day will the Lord deliver, my, deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee. And I will give thy, the carcass of the host of the Philistines. That's the whole army. I'll give their carcasses to the host or to the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Notice he wasn't doing this for his glory. He's doing it for God's glory. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and with spear. But the, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give it or give you into our hands. Now notice verse 48. You got shot and clothes on? I said you need to run towards fear and attack it. 
not to tolerate it. Verse 48, came to pass when the Philistine arose and came uh, and drew near to meet David, that David tucked his tail between his legs and said, Ah! No, that David stood there and waited for him to come. No, something rose up in him and said, I, de- I defy you, I defy you. David hastened and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. That's what I'm talking about. Face this stuff. Face it down. <laughs> Amen. David put his hand in his, you know, uh, slingshot bag that he had there. Took a stone out. Remember, he shot it. And, and this is the first incident we have of uh, laser-guided missiles. I believe an angel followed, pushed that, you know, right, 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 there, bam. Smote the Philistine, and he fell down dead. David ran and stood upon the Philistine, verse 51, and took his sword and drew it out of the sheaf thereof and slew him and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw their champion he was dead, they fled. What are they running from? You know, five of them could have tried to attack him and taken him out. What are they running from? They're not running from a 17-year-old boy. Listen, they're running from faith. That was faith that he was operating in. The whole army is running from a 17-year-old boy. When really it wasn't the 17-year-old boy. It was the faith in that boy. (laughs) They're running from faith. Hebrews 11.34 says, By faith the armies of the aliens are put to flight. It's faith that's going to push the devil out of your life. Some of you wouldn't shout if I said you were getting a new house tomorrow. Then all Israel pursued, and they chased them. Then look at verse number 54. I always like this verse. David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his armor in his tent. He went, to da- he went to Saul with that head in his hand. That's how you get a head in life. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. David won the war of words. I'm going to finish this up just saying a few things. He won the battle before the battle by by winning the war of words. You've got to answer things. Whenever fear hits you, don't just sit there silently like, oh, I've been here before. I hate when this starts happening. No, answer it. You've got to win the, war of, win the war of words. You win the battle before you win the battle. It's the pre-fight warm-up. The devil says, you're going to die, and you say, I'm going to live and declare the works of the Lord. That's the pre-fight warm-up. The Philistine said, David said. Philistine said, David said. David, uh, David made sure to have the last word. Just like Jesus in Luke 4. The enemy said, do this. And Jesus said, do, I'm, I'm not going to do this because that's what the word said. It was always the devil said, Jesus said. The devil said, Jesus said. Jesus kept on saying until finally the devil quit, quit said. Jesus made sure he had the last word. But this thought, it keeps bombarding me. This fear, it keeps, keep, keep, keep. Answering it. Keep answering it. So the pre-fight warm-up. So he won the war of words. Amen. Talk to it. Talk to your mountain. Talk to your giant. Talk to fear. Don't talk to God about it. Talk to it. 
David wasn't talking to God. He's talking to the Goliath here. Talk to your mountain. Talk to your fear. Amen. It's been talking to you. It's been telling you how big it is. Yeah, but compared to it, I'm so small. Well, read the Bible. Deuteronomy says in the 7th chapter and the ninth chapter, you're going in to take bigger cities than you, bigger nations than you. And what you're going to take in your life is going to be bigger than you. Because it's so big, it's going to make fear. Oh, fear, fear, fear is going to attack you, but you need to talk to it. It tells you how big it is, and you talk to it about how big your God is. Don't compare it to you. Compare it to your God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Greater is he that's in me. You got to talk. Don't quiet. Don't get quiet. Talk. Hallelujah. God is a good God. What the, the, the Israelites arm, the Israelite army's biggest problem was, was what the giant inspired in them. Isn't that right? He inspired fear in them. Fear of fighting the giant. It was a spiritual battle. It wasn't a natural issue here. They could not say that this giant kept them out because no, not one of them tried to take him down. It wasn't the giant. It was the fear that kept them from approaching the giant. Are you getting that? Every battle is spiritual in nature at its core. Get that and don't ever forget that. Every battle is spiritual in nature as it's at its core. Amen. You're not on your own. You're going in the power of His might. Be strong in the power of His might. Amen? The key is to tackle the fear. And don't give it time to work in your mind. Just don't give it that time. Praise God. You know, in military uh, battles, there's a lot of trash talk a lot of times. Like, like boxing matches and things like that. A lot of trash talk. And what are they trying to do? Inspire fear in their opponent. Because uh, military people know this, and other people in, in competitive matches know this. Intimidation and fear is about 90% of the issue. If you can get somebody afraid, they're going to they're gonna not, not be up to par performance-wise. If you can rattle the other team, man, they'll start making mistakes. Amen. Here's another lesson. Practice using the, your faith on small things. David kept practicing on the lion and the bear before he got to the giant. Can you say amen to that? Use it on something small and overcome it. Then you'll get a notch in your belt, so to speak. A notch in your revolver. Uh-huh. <laughs> Spiritually speaking, I'm talking about. Praise God. Can you say amen to that? Amen. So, if you're going to get to the throne, which is where David eventually got to, you're going to have to go through your Goliath. You're going to have to go through that fear. That's keeping you from getting to really what God has for you. The throne is on the other side of your fear. The victory is what I'm talking about. It's on the other side of your fear. Can you say amen to that? So like David, don't back out of things. Don't back away from what belongs to you. Face it. Go right on through it. Hallelujah. The devil will threaten you and say, well, if you try that, you're going under. Or if you try that, you're going to die. Or if you try that, da-da-da-da-da. And if you try that, you're going to have to come through me. And you're going to say, okay, we can arrange for that. We're, we're going right through you. <laughs> uh, you just have to learn to live that way. If you've heard from God, then take a step and keep walking and go right through all the stuff. Now, this preach is different than it feels when it starts happening. 
This is easy to say, amen. Yeah, pastor, that's right, pastor. That's the way it is. But whenever it sl- smacks you across the face, it feels different than it preaches. You'll be tempted to say, I'm doing something wrong because, whoo, this just feels terrible, terrible, terrible. But it's, uh, it's something that you need to get used to, become accustomed to. In the presence of your enemies, walking by faith, walking by faith. When, when voices of fear and doubt are screaming at you, you're just acting like it, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. If you would like more information about Pastor Jay Everly's ministry, please visit us on the web at soffc.org. Or call us at 319-366-2147. Or you can write to us at Spirit of Faith Family Church, Post Office Box 8355, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, 52408. And remember, God loves you, and you're equipped to live victoriously in every area of life.